Well, good morning, church. My name is Matt Howe, one of the pastors here at Anderson Hills, and excited to be with you as we launch into a new sermon series together for the month of August, and I bet you'll never guess what the title is. I'll tell you what, let's just say it together. I love my church. You ready? Here we go. One, two, three. Aw, do ya? That's so nice. Me too. It's a really great place, isn't it? Lots of amazing things happening here. More amazing things in store uh, in the months to come. And so um, I'm just excited you guys are here. Whether this is your first time here or whether you've been coming for a long time, like way before I was born, um, I'm just excited you're here. And uh, if for some reason you are a guest today and I've not had the chance to meet you, I would love to do that. Um, down front at the end of the service. So I want to kind of begin this morning with a question, and I actually want you to think about it, okay? Sometimes we ask these questions as pastors, and I'm not really sure how many people really take the time to think about it, but I really do want to give you a few seconds just to ponder this question this morning, and it is this. Why are you here? Why are you here? So just, just take a second and think about that. All right, now that you have an answer and you're ready to share, I want you to turn to your neighbor and I want you to talk with them about why you're here this morning. Go. All right, awesome. How many of you uh, heard an answer this morning that was something unique, something that maybe you'd not heard before? Like you were like, huh, that's an interesting answer that they gave. Anybody? No, not really? So they were pretty standard answers, right? Here for the excellent preaching, I'm sure, was among the top, top choices selected. Let me ask you this. How many of you are here this morning because you are searching for the perfect church? Okay, good. Because if you're looking for the perfect church, you've come to the wrong place. I will just go ahead and tell you that. We are an imperfect church. Why? Because we are made up of what? Imperfect people. Okay? Sometimes the churches, you know, they look really nice from the outside. You know, outside on the outside looking in, everything seems really glamorous and amazing. And then you get inside and you get involved and you take membership and you come on staff. No, I'm just kidding. But you start to realize that, hey, this isn't perfect. This church isn't, you know, there's, there's nothing about this church that makes it perfect. It's made up of imperfect people. But uh, we got a lot of really good things happening here. And so again, let me just say I'm really excited that you're here. So the title of this morning's message is, Who is the Church? And there's a story from Scripture that I want to share uh, with you. This comes from the 16th chapter of the Gospel of Matthew. It says, When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But what about you, 
he asked, who do you say that I am? Simon Peter, eager as always, answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. To which Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. So I love this passage. Um, I think I first, maybe not got introduced, but I first kind of had this, this passage explained to me um, probably, I think it was the first year that I was serving here at Anderson Hills. Uh, my wife, Christian, and I, we had gone to a youth conference, a Simply Youth Ministry conference in Indianapolis, and we were there, and in one of the breakout sessions that I was a part of, um, the, the speaker at that breakout used this particular scripture, and he really broke down this passage, and I loved the way he broke it down, and so I kind of want to break it down for, for you this morning. So Jesus asked this question. He says, who do people say that I am? So he really, he turns around to his disciples, to, the, to his closest followers, and he just kind of point blank asks them, I think he's doing a temperature check here. He's trying to figure out like, you know, where are his disciples in their understanding of who he is? Because he's more than just this Jesus of Nazareth who grew up the son of a carpenter, right? And, and he wants to figure out if they know. And, and so first he says, who do people say that I am? And of course they respond, you know, some say this, some say that. And then he gets to a, a much more important question. He turns and he says to them, yeah, but who do you say that I am? And Peter steps up and correctly identifies Jesus and says, well, you're the Messiah, the son of the living God. And because Peter correctly identifies Jesus, Jesus gives Simon a new name, Peter. He says, you are Peter, and on this rock, because that word Petra means rock, I will build my church. Now, the question is, what does he mean by church? Who is the church? I want to spend a little time this morning talking about God's design for the church versus our human design and understanding of what the church is. In other words, before we talk about what or who the church is, we really need to take a serious look at what the church or who the church is not. How many of you grew up in the church? Not necessarily Anderson Hills, but a church. Okay, so probably about half the room grew up in some sort of church. Does anybody remember the little illustration thing that you used to do as a kid where they would, okay, you already know where I'm going with this, don't you? So what was it? It was like, here is the church, here is the steeple, open it up, and here's the people, right? Or something, something like that, right? Okay, so we're going to do that together. You ready? So go ahead and just take your, take your hands like this, kind of interlock them. Get your hands right here, okay? All right, you ready? All right, so here is the church. Here is the steeple. Open it up, and there's the people. All right, let me just tell you something. That is terrible theology. <laughs> All right, so everything you just learned in the last 15 seconds, erase it from your database, okay? You would just erase your hard drive. Terrible theology. I mean, it should be something more like, hey, here's the people, so here's the church. We don't need no stinking steeple, right? Like, 
Because listen, the church, we know this to be true, is not confined to the walls of any one building. Correct? And yet, we often think of it on those terms. That word church in scripture comes from the Greek word ekklesia, a general term referring to a gathering or assembly. The early Christian church, as you know, had no buildings, at least not in the sense of what we would consider church buildings today. And what they were doing together, namely worship, fellowship, and ministry, were things conducted by people, not buildings. Now, I'm going to tell you, even this morning, I feel a little bit guilty or a little dirty because we're sitting here talking about this I Love My Church series, and we're talking about all the programmatic things that we as the church organization can help you do to serve your community, to be the church. But you understand these are really, it's kind of like Pirates of the Caribbean, Captain Barboza, Well, they're more like guidelines, right? So we're just kind of trying to get, we're just helping you. We're coming alongside of you and giving you tools to use. But you understand that you can be the church on any day, at any time, in any place. It's not something that is confined to our little slips of paper out there. Like, ooh, I really want to be the church, so let me grab one of those slips, right? That's not really the way it works, okay? We're just helping you. The church is everywhere, all the time. Second, the church is not an event, or something that people assemble for that takes place at a specific time. While the word means a gathering or assembly, it is more specifically the gathered ones. So here we are. We're the gathered ones. Sounds like a creepy movie title, actually. Instead of focusing on an event in which people gather, church is centered on the event, and that's Christ saving him, uh, people to himself. The church is a gathered people to Jesus in all of life. The ones who build their whole lives around Jesus as King, Lord, and Savior, loving each other in some very dramatic ways. You do not go to church. You are the church whenever and wherever you are. So therefore, the church is not a what, a place or event, but rather a who. And that's why we say not what is the church, but who is the church. Go ahead and look at your neighbor and say, I'm the church. Look at your neighbor and say, you're the church. Look at your other neighbor and say, we are the church. Okay. Some of you, I feel bad, like poor Sarah in the front row. She doesn't have any neighbors. So she feels completely left out. If everyone could just direct your attention to Sarah and say, you are the church, it would be very, there you go. All right. Perfect. So we know what the church is not. The question is, what is it? Colossians chapter 1, verse 18, this is Paul writing to the church at Colossae, and he says, and he is the head of the body, the church, he being Christ. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have supremacy. The Greek word translated church, again, is that word ekklesia. Ecclesia in Christian theology means both a particular body of faithful people and the whole body of the faithful. As Paul explains to his, uh, to, in his letter to the Colossians, Jesus is the head of the church. Uh, many of the churches that I've been a part of where things get very unhealthy and things start to unwind and unravel a little bit, 
it usually involves people trying to place themselves at the head of the church, whether that be a senior pastor, whether that be other pastoral staff, uh, whether that be lay people, volunteers, loving, you know, whatever. I mean, anybody, right? Anybody tries to place themselves at the head of a church and trouble is a brewing. You get where I'm going. His people, we people, are referred to as the body of Christ. A, a body of Christ, a people called out of the world and into his loving kingdom. We spent the last several weeks talking about what it looks like to be a citizen of the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God. That's who the church is. We are a people who are called out, called separate uh, into his loving kingdom. Paul explains this in his letter to the Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 22 and 23, he says, And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. So we as the body are not the head, and we need to be really careful not to confuse ourselves with the head. However, we are the body which means that there is responsibility that falls upon our shoulders. We are the body of Christ. Remember what Jesus said to Peter. He said, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. Jesus says that he is the one who builds his church, and he is continually building it day by day. He wants to saturate the world with his presence and his love through his people. Jesus' dying wish for his church was that they would love one another. It's important to note that Jesus' command focuses on the expression of our love toward one another within the church. The way we love others in the body of Christ is directly related to how we show Jesus' love to the rest of the world. The world, whether we want to acknowledge it or not, is looking to us to set the example of what it means to love, agape, to love unconditionally. Jesus commands us to love the people of the church in the same way that he loves us. By this love, he says, all men will know that we are his. And so we must first love each other, and then we will be an effective witness to the rest of the world. Our love for each other is a living example of Jesus' love for all people. So the question is, how are we doing? How are we doing? Are we following his commandment? Is there so much love in our church that the people in the homes around our facility know that we are his disciples? Can the people in this community tell it by the way that we relate to one another when we see each other out in public places in the township? Can they tell it when they sit down in our seats on Sunday morning? Can they tell it when we have events outside the walls of our church, when we go out to serve, when we go down into Mount Washington? When we're, when we're at these various things and people encounter us, when people see us wearing our shirts... Listen, this is careful. This is like one of those Jesus fish on the back of your car type things, right? Like, you don't want to slap one of them suckers on your bumper if you're going to go, like, cut people off and give people the middle finger. That's not a good idea. Don't be wearing this shirt and hanging out in places you don't have any business hanging out. 
Okay, if I find you, I will bring another shirt with me and put it over top of it, okay? <laughs> you got to be a representative. But think about it. How are we doing? Do people recognize us for who we are? Have we ever confessed our love for the people in our church to those that we work with, to those that we do, uh, go to school with, to those we do life with? Well, I mean, I'm, I mean, being serious, it sounds a little, you know, kind of like, oh, what do you mean confess your love for people? You know, but do you talk about how much you love your church family, about the people that you do life with here? If you were in a moment of desperation, is there someone here whom you would call? Do we really love each other? If we're going to truthfully, uh, truthfully evaluate our obedience to Christ's command, we must answer these questions. We need to understand who the church is, the purpose of the church, and how it should be interacting in our lives. Understanding why we meet together will help us form a love for the people in our church and for people in the world. Jesus loves his church, and so must we. So why are you, why am I a part of Anderson Hills United Methodist Church? What are you doing here? It goes back to my original question. Why are you here? I hope that you understand that you're a part of something that is so much bigger than yourself. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 9 and 10, Peter writes, But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into this wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Think about that, church. We are a priesthood of believers. Go ahead and look at your neighbor and tell him or tell her, you're a priest. Go ahead. Now think about that for a second. Let that just kind of soak in a little bit. You're a priest. Yes, I'm a pastor. So are you. We are the priesthood of believers. We need to ask Jesus Christ, to help us be the church wherever we go and with whomever we meet. Why? Because the world needs to know that there is another option. The world needs to know that there is a better way. Most of us sit back and we look at the world and we look in disgust. We shrug our shoulders and we say to ourselves and to those around us, nothing I can do. In church, nothing could be further from the truth. We hang our shoulders and we declare, it shouldn't be this way. And yet, we don't become an agent of change. We feel helpless. What could we possibly do? What difference could we possibly make? We turn on the news and we hear the word of what has happened overnight in a city so close by to our location, and we say to ourselves, oh, but what could I do? What difference could I make? We have a 
video this morning of a couple ladies in our church, Laura Currier and Charlotte Lee, and um, I love these ladies. They're dear to my heart. Um, they uh, are co-partners in a business called Colorful Covered. How many of you have been to the Colorful Covered? Okay, all right, all right. So uh, they want to share a little bit of their story of how they're using and how God's really using their business um, to, to minister to the, to the outside community. So just watch this. We love our church. And we started out as we, we bought the shop. It has the retail where we have work by local artists. Um, and I think we realized pretty quickly that we wanted to use some of our own creativity in it. So we started doing a lot more uh, custom furniture painting. We got into the cabinet painting. Yes. And then you had already been doing a lot of the classes and parties. Yes. When we first started the shop together, knowing our background, our history together, where we um, worked together at Anderson Hills, we really tried to figure out how, what can we do to bring that is a part yes. of the of the store. Um, we heard Jonathan Coleman speak um, at church about fresh expressions, and we both just thought, "This, this is it." Yeah, I think this even separately we, we really heard about excited. it. Yeah, mm -hmm. and, and then yeah. yeah, we just thought this is something that this would just be a perfect place. We've got the place to do it. Um, we love bringing it to the community outside of church, mm -hmm. so um, we just knew that, that was the right fit for us. What a beautiful name. But when they first come in, Jonathan talks to them for a little while. We pray a little bit. And every art project somehow relates to whatever um, sermon or message is, is gonna be provided that evening. So we definitely relate it. Um, we have people that I think have never come to church before and right. we people that have, we really try to get them to bring a friend. Right. Um, we want them to bring somebody that for whatever reason, they don't feel comfortable going to a church. Mm -hmm. The very first um, Fresh Expressions, we had a couple of sisters come who brought their adult daughters. Mm -hmm. And one of the daughters, she had just really struggled with drug addiction. And this was the first time in a long time that they were all gonna be together. Mm -hmm. And so we actually painted a cardinal that yeah. day. And, um, this, the, they were all just so happy. It was just such a great experience for them. Yes. Well, then a couple days later, one of the moms called us and the daughter had passed away mm -hmm. over the weekend and they just, they want to know if we would, um, they could come in and we could pray with them. Mm -hmm. And that's something we always tell people that if you, anytime the, the doors are always open. So if you need prayer to come in and so they did, and it was just really, uh, just amazing. It was very, it very was amazing. Powerful. And one of the moms, I mean, one of her questions was who she, really had never gone to church. She wanted to know, you know, where her daughter was. Mm -hmm. And she was just so worried about that. And we were able to talk through that with her, get her in touch with Jonathan. Mm -hmm. um, he ended up presiding over the funeral. It was just, and they've come back. They come yes. back almost every time. Yeah. So mm -hmm. I think it was just kind of a comfort to them. And I don't know, it was just a pretty amazing experience. Yeah. And I know when we, I actually went to the, the funeral and um, at the, at the place where you sign in, they had the carnival mm -hmm. there, and they just were so comforted that she had that wonderful experience. Yeah, you just, know, it was one of the last things she did, mm -hmm. and she loved it. We're gonna start up again in September, um, once the summer's over, and I think we just really want people to know that um, this is a safe place um, to bring whoever they can possibly bring. Mm -hmm. um, it's just, whether it's, even though it's art, and we do traditionally get a lot of women, um, men are certainly, welcome here and they they totally enjoy themselves too yeah. so <laughs> they, they really have do. a great time um, but it's just you know it's just a safe place um, to to answer any questions to have prayer just to really learn about Jesus mm -hmm. and we just really want to be the light in our community
So here's the bottom line. The world needs a rock. I mean, you think about that, Jesus looking at Peter and saying those words, your name is Peter, and upon this rock I'm going to build my church. I mean, the world needs a rock. We talked about last week how, you know, those who hear the words of Jesus Christ and and basically ignore them and choose to just do whatever they want, it's like those who are building their house on sand, you know, and those who do in fact hear the words of Jesus and then go out and obey them are like those who are building their house on a rock. This world needs a rock. And that's us. That's the church. The world needs a group of people who have correctly identified who Jesus is and then who who are willing to get off their butts and share that message of love and hope and healing and reconciliation with the world. The world needs a rock. That's the opportunity we have before us this morning.